1: Hello and welcome to the NUFC Blogcast. I am coming to you live from Crete. That's very random, yes, but I'll explain that. After going to the San Siro to watch Newcastle get a a well-thought draw 0-0 against AC Milan, we're going to review that game, talk about a few other bits, all on the NUFC Blogcast. Oli, you were at home watching. Obviously, I was there. What are your
2: immediate thoughts uh, to our nil-nil draw against AC Milan? I mean, I think the the main takeaway from that is just it's such a, a good point and it's just something to build on, isn't it? I mean, it's our first first game in the Champions League for 20 years and for the majority of the team who played and some of the guys who came off the bench, it was their first ever Champions League game. It was even Eddie Howe's first. I mean, he, he admitted, I was a bit surprised, but he admitted before the game he's never actually attended a Champions League game. So, You've got so many like <clears throat> debuts there, whether it's the manager or the players. So to go to the San Siro to play in that atmosphere, to play against so many quality players and, and a team who, yes, they got thumped five one off Inter at the weekend, but this was a, a team that in the Champions League reached the semi-finals last year. So to come away with a point, like I say, it gives us, it keeps momentum going. It's a, it's a clean sheet, Um, and I think a big thing is. It stops a rival in the group getting two more points. I mean, if they'd beaten us there, it's not just the fact we don't get any points; it's the fact they start with with three, which is huge when it, we're, we're battling for this, those sort of top two positions. So, so yeah, performance-wise, you could say yeah, we didn't really, we didn't really lay a glove on them, and it was a bit sloppy in possession, and we were a little bit timid. But some of those things are to be expected, given the occasion, given sort of the atmosphere. But, but yeah, defensively, we were just. Uh, we gave everything and I think, I think we deserved it in the end. We, we, yes, we rode our luck a little bit, but, um, but yeah, really, really happy with the point. I think it's a, a really, really good start.
1: Yeah. For me, I mean, it's interesting that we put our poll out, didn't we, which was, would you be happy with the point? And most people said yeah. yes. So, you yeah. know, I think largely the mood is, you know, my immediate thoughts after the game were I was exhausted and thought we are so lucky to get away with a nil nil draw. Uh, but, but very pleased with it, you know, there's two ways to look at it, isn't it? It's either they battered us, <laughs> which they kind of did really in terms of attacking chances. But we, under all that pressure, players like Botman, Trippier, we we withstood it. It was a yeah. hard-fought, nil-nil draw. And ultimately you can say, do we deserve that? And it's an interesting question, isn't it? Because I think if that happened to us, we'd say, oh, they didn't deserve to get a draw, we should have won. But seeing yeah. it from our point of view, I'm thinking, well, with our defending and with how hard we worked in, and the first game of the Champions League kind of, did we deserve it maybe we did i don't i don't know it's tricky but the point being we leave with a draw we leave with a point and as you said take it two points away from ac milan who were the top performers then i've, I've mentioned bottman and trippier who i think were right up there what about you
2: um, i mean i think starting with nick pope who made eight saves i mean that in oh, yeah, itself is impressive <laughs> yeah. but i yeah, think at the same time and i think this is partly credit to some of our last ditch defending and sort of how we defended in the 18 yard box i think obviously Pope was, was busy and we did ride our look a little bit, but I think we didn't give them too many really clear cut chances. And obviously there was a few moments when Liao skipped past a few players and then tried to back heel it and fell over. Obviously there you were, that was the one moment where I thought, oh, they're about to score. But then a good example of our last ditch defending the ball then broke and and Murphy was there on the line to clear it. You've got, um, I think Liao had a header, which he glanced over, which was another chance, but generally the saves Pope had to make were all fairly comfortable. Um, yeah, but at the were same time, right, right at him. Most of them yeah. were right at
1: him, weren't they?
2: Yeah. I mean, that doesn't deny the fact that, that Milan did have chances. And you're right, if if we reversed that and that was our first game at home at St James's Park and we had those chances and we left with a nil nil, we'd all be gutted and wondering how on earth we haven't won. But if you look at the context of it being our first game back in the in the Champions League, um, obviously the atmosphere, I mean you were there, you, you were mentioned just before we filmed how intimidating it was and how loud the ultras were and all of that. Um so if you combine the atmosphere, how intimidating it was, the new experience for so many of the players in the team. um, Also the fatigue from Saturday's huge game against Brentford, where we had to give our all to get over the line against a good Brentford team who we really needed to beat to get some confidence back and some momentum in the league. Um, I wasn't there, but I heard people saying, I mean, you obviously, you can tell us about this, but it was very hot there apparently. So that's another thing that saps your energy. um which our players wouldn't have been quite as used to as the Milan players. So if yeah. you combine all of those things, um, yes, we got a little bit lucky at times, but, but yeah, Pope hope came up with Trump. So I thought Trippier, like just generally was his football and IQ was just so impressive, isn't it? The way, yeah. the way he had to cope with uh, Theo Hernandez and Rafa Leao who, I and mean, it was obvious, but we mentioned before the game that were going to be the, the big threats and Trippier doesn't have the pace on either of those players, but the fact he just gets himself in the right position, you know when he knows when to commit, he knows when to back off, um, and that tackle in the last sort of the last few seconds of the game, not just, not just coming across on the cover to to, to sort of perfectly time that tackle, but then keep, to keep the ball in and get give us the possession back, it was, that was incredible. Um, he he was
1: one of uh, a few players. Not all of our players looked totally comfortable. No, but. With his experience, of course, he's played in big games like this so many times, being at Athletic yeah. Madrid, England, and everything, and he just looks so calm. It was just like nothing to him, you know. Some of the players, you could tell, Crikey, you know, this is Champions League. I mean, look at Jacob Murphy's face. Uh, when yeah. the you know the camera's going down and you know a lot of people tweeted that saying he's all of us and it, I was like that in the stands when it was playing I was yeah. like I was in tears it was incredible um, oh, it but was. just to give you a bit of a, a bit of a view into sort of the atmosphere now I wasn't in the away I couldn't get tickets in the away stand so I, I actually managed to very luckily get corporate tickets so I was in like the backstage bit where we saw Matt Ritchie Gillespie and Kraft came walk through oh, nice. um, they quickly went behind I was going to go and talk to them but they quickly went behind a uh, sort of uh, you know a, a, a super VIP bit. But yeah. I was sat kind of on halfway line amongst a bunch of Milan fans, although there was a couple of Newcastle fans we met there as well who, who got similar sort of tickets. And the noise in that ground is unbelievable. I mean, I know it holds 80,000. I think that was probably about seven, 8,000 empty seats, but right. in one corner. But the ultras to our left, they all wear black. So there's this just wall of, a whole wall going across the whole, uh, it was to my uh, west, to my west side this whole wall of fans that are just singing all the way through. The whole point of that thing is they just sing the whole way through standing up tops off or in black, terrifying. And, you know, we were talking just before, you know, this isn't a comment on Newcastle fans. You know, we're we're one of the best away sets of fans in the world. Right. But didn't hear them once didn't maybe at the end just about heard them. And I think that's a a number of factors. And a few people have said this, I'm not uh, unique one, the rest of the ground is just so loud. You can't even hear what the Newcastle fans are doing. Two, the Newcastle fans were, I think, probably a bit exhausted with the sun, the drinking, a bit nervous as well, because we were constantly under attack. We didn't have many moments to sort of really go, yeah, come on. So I think, yeah, I think a lot of Newcastle fans who were in that away end as well have commented the same sort of thing. It was just a bit quiet, but that's, I think we were just kind of in awe a bit of the whole experience. The San Siro, I've never been before. It was unbelievable. It was one of the best football experiences of my life, even though it was only nil-nil. And yeah, it was oh, just incredible.
2: I think like you say as well, the fact you didn't hear the Newcastle fans is maybe not always a reflection on them, but just a reflection of how loud the AC Milan fans were. And And like you say, the mixture of the heat, the drink, some people might have peaked too soon and started drinking early and stuff, which is, to be fair, I don't blame them. But might, I think as well... Might,
1: they definitely did a lot of yeah. yeah <laughs> you should yeah. have seen them walking <laughs> into the ground.
2: <laughs> also, um. I think when it's a backs-against-the-walls kind of game where you're nervously hoping you can hold on, it's hard to build as much of an atmosphere in the away end, like you say, when there's not many attacks and when you're watching cross after cross come in and you defend it. Obviously, when people are nervous, they tend to go quiet. When when, when you're on the attack, it's the other way around. So, But yeah, I mean, what an experience for everyone who went. I kind of wish I could have come now, but, um, but yeah, it wasn't to be. But yeah, what a...
1: Well, let's try. Let's occasion. try. Let's try Dortmund away. I'll, I'll, yes, I'll pull, pull a few strings. I'll try. But no, just to say as well, just to kind of finish on the atmosphere, because we can't talk about it for too long, but the Champions League, right? whoever's like their PR people, they've just absolutely nailed this. The music, the, the, the thing in the center, shaking it, just the atmosphere, everything about the Champions League just makes it so special. I cannot yeah. wait um for well in two weeks time at saint james's park right who are we playing oh, psg yeah. is it so that's, yeah. that's going to be brilliant and war flags i saw tweeted today saying with a pitch the sansira and the, and the kind of the display they did just just saying you know what to do with an arrow down to donate so if you want to donate to war flags please do we're not affiliated with them in any way but they do incredible stuff i've donated to them before they yeah. have turned the atmosphere up at to, you know at St James's Park to 11, as they say, and uh, yeah, can't wait for PSG at home. I, I'm never going to get yeah. tickets unless I don't know how I'm going to get tickets. I'm not going to be able to, but but you'll be there, won't you, Holly?
2: Yeah, well, I was going to say I'd do my best to help, but it's really hard now. I've got three season tickets for me, my dad, my brother, and then when it comes to getting an additional ticket, it's almost impossible. Now you're in a in a ballot and things like that, and so yeah, it's 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 really really difficult, isn't it? And, to be fair, it's probably been it's been. I would guess it was sold out a while ago. So, um, but yeah, so see I'm, what not, you can I'm not do.
1: complaining. I'm not complaining because I I did get to go to San Siro away. So there you go. Um, yeah.
2: but players yeah, think, who struggled. Should we, should we talk just talk about a, them? Just a few more. Just final bits on the ones who I thought did well. I mean, yeah, one player who I saw was getting a lot of criticism on social media, which tends to be a theme now, was Dan Burn. And I know in the first half, a little bit like the Brentford game, he was a bit sloppy on the ball. There was one moment in particular where there was a ball down the line for Gordon, which he just kind of booted out of play. It was an attempt to play the ball down the line, but he just got it all wrong. And I know they are frustrating moments when they sort of really want the team to sort of show their quality on the ball and do what we know they're capable of and get forward and, and cause problems. So it is frustrating to lose the ball cheaply against such a good team. But to me, that that's not going to decide the game when Dan Byrne just p- plays a ball out of uh, of play. The the moments that Dan Byrne really stepped up in that second half, he, he made three or four really sort of Top quality defensive clearances, headers. He was he's the sort of left back who, if you're gonna base him on the modern day fullback who bombs forward, who shows quality in possession and has that all-round game, then you're gonna be a bit underwhelmed. But we all know Dan Burns' strength isn't what he does on the ball. And for me, for all the talk of oh, we should have we should have played Lewis Hall and our oh, Lewis Hall would have given us more going forward, I think what we would then have lost defensively in those backs against the walls, headers at the back post, with if we'd played Hall, that could have been the difference between where sort of drawing and losing. So I think, mm. yes, Burn has his limitations and I understand there'll be moments where maybe Sheffield United away, maybe Burnley at home, you want to play a more attacking left-back. But I just think Burn deserves a lot of credit for the way he got in those good positions in the box defensively. He won those headers that were massive. Um, I think, so, yeah. yeah. I
1: mean, in the ground, it di- in the first half, it was... It's nothing new. It, when AC Milan, the technical ability they have, and then it would come to Burn who'd stuff something up. It was quite... Obvious that technically he's obviously mm. behind AC yeah. and a lot of our other players. And that we know that, right? We yeah, know- I was
2: going to say, we know that, of course.
1: First but half, I-, I think he was quite poor. Second half, I thought he was so much better. Much, yeah, much yeah. better.
2: Totally agree. Because I think in the first half, we had a little bit more of the ball. And that was kind of the weird thing about this game. Because I was sat there thinking, well, especially the first 10, 15 minutes, I think we settled into it quite well without really causing problems or creating chances. We looked fairly comfortable, but we also looked a little bit timid on the ball. I think we were partly nervous, which is to be expected, but partly wary of overcommitting because we knew exactly what AC Milan had at the other end. I mean, if you give if you suddenly give away the ball when you're high up the pitch, it's Rafael Liao isolating Kieran Trippier or down the other end, it's Dan Byrne being run at by, is it Chukwueze, the right winger, who you could see he was absolutely yeah. rapid, but he didn't really get a chance to go past Byrne too much. But I think with that in mind, we were wary of losing the ball high up the pitch and we were quite rather than turn and and sort of run beyond the midfield, we'd pass it back to the defenders or go back to the goalkeeper, which is to be expected, I guess. But um, yeah, we could have been a little bit braver on the ball. But then again, had we taken more risks on the ball and tried to commit more bodies forward, do we get the clean sheet? Do we get the point? Maybe not. So um, the only other thing I noticed is that I thought early on, if there was one area we looked at where we could have a bit of joy, it was down the left because Gordon clearly had the pace on Calabria, the, the AC Milan right back and captain who almost to our detriment, got booked because that meant that they brought on Florenzi in the second half, who obviously not only wasn't a player on a yellow and therefore walk on that sort of tightrope, but he was he was more attacking, so he was able to push Gordon back and then get beyond Izak in the second half, who who looked knackered when he went to the left. So that ended up working in Milan's favour. But I kind of, if there's one regret from an attacking point of view, I thought we could have made a bit more of the fact we had the beating of Calabria down the left. But um, but yeah, at the other end, I mean, has got 10, I think it's 10, 15 years experience on Sven Botman, but I thought Botman and Schardt dealt with him pretty well. I mean, Drews like a, he's played at every level, hasn't he? World Cups, Champions Leagues. we've talked about how oh, underrated he is.
1: Top player, yeah.
2: Um, so yeah, I think all in all, the way we, we we dealt with things was good. Yes, we rode our luck, but um, we had bodies back. I mean, there was a, one moment in the second half where Almiron at the back post, I thought was going to fault with Theo Hernandez and Almiron got back there and nicked the ball off him and We've mentioned Murphy clearing off the line, Dan Burns headers, um, Trippier's heroics, Pope saves. I think, yes, we rode our luck, but I think sometimes you make your own luck defensively. And we did We did in certain moments sort of have those players back and have those last-ditch tackles, which made all the difference. So, mm. so yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, 0-0, no, no, one point, away against Ace Milan. There were some good performances, there was some bad. I thought Isak was isolated, not really his yes. fault. Yes thought Tonali yeah. was obviously quiet, but you, that's for understandable reasons.
2: It must be a bizarre situation for him. So, yeah, it was I think, one of them. Um, I think with Tonali being quiet, I think, I mean, I mentioned just there that I wanted us to go down the left a little bit more because I felt like we had the beating of, of Calabria. But I think because so much of the game was sort of dependent on that left side in terms of Raffa Theo Hernandez against Trippier and obviously Longstaff and Murphy down that side, a lot of their work was to, to stop those two as well. So, it was almost a very little of the game was played down Milan's left because so much of it was coming um, down our right, if that makes sense. So mm. I think it was probably, it was probably difficult for Tonali to get on the ball. And obviously for Gordon as well, I thought he was another one who started and, and looked like he had the beating of Calabria, but it didn't take long for him to fade as either because he, he played the full 90 against Brentford the weekend and looked absolutely shattered at the end. And I, I guess if you mix in the fact he was, there was already a bit of fatigue from that, but then, the actual nerves of the game and the atmosphere leading up to it—that must take a lot out of you. When you're arriving at the San Siro and you've got those butterflies, and you walk out to that atmosphere, it's nerves do really contribute to feeling tired. Like we've all felt like before when we're really nervous about a big presentation that you've got to do at work or something in your life that you're nervous about—it takes energy out of you. So, if you mix sort of Saturday's huge effort to beat Brentford with the whole build-up and the occasion at the San Siro, then um, and then the run around they gave us at times all of that contributes to some tired legs doesn't it so yeah um, so yeah
1: absolutely well let's take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll talk about a, a chat with Amanda Stavely at the airport uh, UCL Games to come what Eddie Howe has said about it and a special FYI man <laughs> At luckylandslots.com.
0: Available to players in the US, excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group Void were by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply.
1: Ollie, obviously, I was, I uh, just thought sort I'd of share a couple of funny, well, funny, funny stories I had while I was out here in Milan. The, the, the big night was the one before the game. So, interestingly, the, the night of the game, Went back to the area where all the Newcastle fans were. Most had gone home by the time we got there because I think they'd been drinking all day and were absolutely knackered, or had probably early flights the hotel. Like yeah, probably in an alleyway somewhere. But the night before the game, as I said in the last pod, I saw Danny Graham sitting at the pub before I came. We then went back out. Danny Graham having the time of his life. I posted a video of him dancing on my um, yes. on my Twitter that has now got one and a half million views. Having oh, wow. the time of his life. I um, I went up to him and said. Um, I said, can I have a picture? And I took a picture with him and said, I'm going to send this to my Sodlum friend friends. And he just laughed his head off. Couldn't he not <laughs> laughing his head off? Um, but also saw Michael Chopra was out there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so everyone was singing uh, one nil down, 4-1 up, Albert look, and then it was 4-1, even Chopra scored 4-1. <laughs> it it it's good. worth
2: mentioning at this point, for anyone who doesn't know, Danny Graham played for Sunderland, but he's actually born in Gateshead and a Newcastle fan, so yeah. when there's people there saying, oh, so there actually has been a Macam in Milan it's like, no, he's from Gateshead, he's a Newcastle fan. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I put in the a tweet,
1: Macam. a lifelong Newcastle fan, yeah exactly. Yeah. So for about, yeah. for about 15 games in the Premier League once, I think for Swansea, he looked incredible and then he, that was his kind of moment, really, yeah. but no. That, so that was great, and then yeah. that night, that that sort of area, that night was great fun. With loads of songs. I ended up on BBC Radio Newcastle twice. I um, saw the being, video. Yeah, I
2: yeah, mean, I you, was you're being, banging the tables next to Danny Gray. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so your
1: first first one was before i'd had any beers and it was just like an interview saying you know and i was like yeah looking forward to it whatever very very eloquent you know and yeah. then and then later on after maybe three or four beers just me smashing the tables Anthony <laughs> gordon so good um yeah. but no it was really 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 good fun anyone in that area that night will know it was great fun there was one one polish guy who kept trying to start fights with everyone high off his head on um, drugs mm-hmm. and in the end I and mean, ever all the newcastle fans to be fair you know were brilliant don't fight don't He was try to pick on this one particular lad and everyone's like don't fight we're gonna look like idiots we'll be on the news don't fight don't fight eventually some some massive newcastle fan who i was scared to say hello to just went up to him and absolutely walloped him which isn't great but oh no then the polish guy went off and ran off and you know that was that but the amount of, of sort of intimidation that it took to get someone to do something it was it was mad and then obviously we had that really sad news that night Oh, of, yeah. of, of the Newcastle fan, I can't remember his name. Who, who Eddie, got, it's Eddie
2: got... Eddie Mackay. He's like a 50, 58 year old who was there with a friend and his his son, I think. Um,
1: and he got macheted because when he was running away, he's got two knee replacements and he fell over. I mean, you, <sighs> you're attacking someone like that. It's just oh, I'm a, oh, awful, thank goodness it? he's okay now. He's back home and he's and he's stable and he's you know recovering. Yes, I saw that. But yeah. I think I think he got macheted in the back and and both his arms or something. Um, yes,
2: I think that was right. Yeah, yeah.
1: So he's... and that was right. That was about that was that happened about. I think it was like 150, 200 meters from where I was staying and not that I was there, but we went out the next morning and we saw my friend, Dan, I was with, who was on the last pod knows Craig hope, you know, who works at the daily mail. Oh yeah. And we, we said hello to him cause he was there and there was still blood on the pavement where, where it had happened. So oh, like quite became quite real at that point. I was like, Oh wow, this isn't just a story. I was, I was just in bed over there probably when it happened. So.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's awful, isn't it? Awful,
1: awful. Yeah. Awful. But Largely, other than that, I think Newcastle fans did themselves well. That wasn't anything we did wrong. But you know, I think there wasn't much trouble. I don't think, you know, I think the police have been saying really good things about us. There was riot police that night before the game. Riot police sort of were, because obviously it was organised to use that space with the government. I think so. It was all with the police and everything. So there was riot police either end. They did become a bit aggressive towards the end of the night. You know, fans. We had to go past them to get to our hotel. Dan did, and they pushed Dan back in. Dan was like, well, I need to go that way. And they were yeah. like pushing it back in saying, you can't go this way. It's like, our hotel's over there. So, you know, they were a bit unnecessarily aggressive. Right. So I'm actually really pleased and surprised that no, like, big thing kicked off and really proud, really, that nothing, yeah. nothing bad happened.
2: That's good to hear because, I mean, I was thinking to myself, I really hope that there's nothing going to come out on sort of Wednesday morning <laughs> and that there's been another incident where a fan's been attacked. Because, I mean, if you combine the fact that obviously the Milan Ultras you've mentioned there how great the atmosphere was and I'm sure many of them are, are great and just support their team, but there's obviously a group there which are out to just do harm and obviously it's awful what happened on on the Monday night, but I was worried after the game when Milan fans would be leaving there, really frustrated that they didn't beat us and Newcastle fans maybe after a few more drinks would be out there sort of celebrating, kind of getting the point and things like that. I was just really hoping there wasn't going to be another incident. So yeah. fingers crossed nothing comes out there, but, um, but yeah, I, I was think... going to ask what... What your experience yeah. was in terms of how how safe you felt and what the police were like? Because I know there is some bad reputation there, and obviously we, we've already no, seen f- it with this, the stabbing.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, felt felt safe the whole time. To be honest, with. I, think, yeah. I think I think I'd be interested to hear anyone else who was there. Please let us know what you what you felt. I would say as well that I think this is no negative comment on 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 fans who went to bed early on on the match night but i think the most drunk and most likely to end up in a fight all went up to bed after the game because they were done yeah <laughs> so so all the really rowdy lot who after a couple of drinks might make a poor decision in life like just like i do if i've got too many poor not not in that way but you know the ones who were likely to end up i don't know Ending up fighting riot police or t- chatting back, I think they're in bed, so they go. Yeah, well,
2: probably just as well then. Yeah,
1: <laughs> a-, a pretty cool story though as well. Um, my friend Dan, who came on our last podcast, and f- shout out to him because everything he said was exactly how Ace Milan attacked us down that left side. So so well done, Dan. I think we all knew that, but Dan, uh, you know, articulated it very well. Um, he was at Heathrow Airport uh, passport check-in, and he was next to Amanda Staveley, and he had an interesting chat with her. In fact, let me get it up. What she said. So he. He told me, he said, he said, he said, oh, where is it? I'm going to have to edit this Yeah, out. it was
2: interesting. I know you, you sent me this, um, I think it was last night, and it was It was interesting to see what she'd said. And it doesn't surprise me that she got chatting because she does seem really sort of just genuine and quite bubbly and happy to, happy to speak. So it's really Yeah, nice she apparently
1: said shot. she was so, so proud. She adores Eddie Howe. Um, my mate Dan mentioned, is it Tior? T- Tiao, Tiao?
2: Oh, Malik Theo. yeah.
1: Malik Theor, the Milan centre-back, said, we should sign him. And, and Amanda said, oh, yeah, that's great. And uh, she wants to get the right-back and left-back, Hall and Liveramento playing. She particularly loves Tino Livramento, Um, And she feels like all the players' mums, is what she said. <laughs> yeah. So And she texted every single player at the end of the game, saying that's how proud brilliant. she was. Yeah. So there you go. There's a little exclusive for you. Um, yeah, love, yeah. Her. So, love Amanda Stavely. Really love her. She does seem extremely nice, doesn't she? Yeah. Um, yeah. Like if you watch the documentary, she constantly like grabbing Eddie Howe's face, kissing him, hugging just everyone. I mean, it's a bit overwhelming. If she did that to me, I'd get, get a bit annoyed really, but she's so nice. It's like, no, it's a bit, it, t- yeah. bit too much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. So, so overall an amazing experience. We're, let's just do a couple more things. So what are the next UCL games? What are the games we've got to come? Um, yeah. So, how's it looking, I suppose?
2: I mean, this is the thing. I think this is another reason why the point feels, feels so good because not only does it give us a something to build on in the Champions League. And it's obviously, it's a little settler for us, like any of those nerves that we felt and like, um, what's that, what's that phrase? You could have almost got, um, oh, what's the phrase of when you're somewhere and you almost feel like you shouldn't be there. Um, imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome. Yeah. So if we, if we felt that a little bit, or maybe just felt a bit overawed by the occasion, we've got that out of our system now. We've got the result. We keep the momentum going. We keep a bit of confidence. Like we know we deserve to be there and, What's great now is we've got that point going into home games against PSG on the 4th of October. So that's, well, two weeks in a day from from the Milan game. So that's that's on a Wednesday night. We've got PSG first, which is going to be tough, but under the lights of James's part with a point under our belt, that's going to be amazing going into that one. And then after that, we've got Dortmund at home. So we've got two back-to-back home games that are coming up. Then we've got Dortmund away. Then we've got PSG away. um, Then Milan at home. So... So yeah, I think I think having a point going into those two games it gives it it settles us it gives us a bit of confidence. Um and Eddie Howes said I mean I know this is the next bit we we're going to talk about what Eddie Howes said and he he's kind of vowed that we'll see another a different Newcastle um in the next game against PSG. I think I think he kind of accepts that we'll need to be better. Um but things we'll just see a different Newcastle because he I think he I think he said as well that the atmosphere and the emotion was always going to be tough for the players and like we've said a new experience and something that whether it was for Howe himself or people like Murphy, Longstaff, Byrne, Pope, all of these players who've never played in the Champions League before, even Anthony Gordon, it was gonna be it was gonna be a lot to deal with, just just from a mental mental point of view, never mind physically how you're gonna then compete with an AC Milan team. So so yeah, um going into back-to-back home games after a good result is great, really. And um Eddie Howe also praised the defending in the 18-yard box and I think he, he didn't didn't really want to focus on the idea that we were lucky or or the negatives because I think he just felt like it was all about the result. Um, and I think a bit like that Brentford game on Saturday, yes, if we're going to analyse the performance of that and the performance of Milan, it's clear that we do need to improve on the ball and, and sort of not be so predictable going forwards. And there obviously is, is areas we need to improve there. But I think the Brentford game was all about the result, building that confidence. And the Milan game was, again, all about just settling into the, the Champions League. I mean... We could have played them off the pitch there and ended up losing three two and there could be positives in the performance, but it's, and it's at the end of the day the group stage you've got you've got six games and after that you're either qualifying in the Europa League or you're out. So it's all about results, isn't it? In the uh, in the Champions League you've not got many games to actually get your points together. So to start with with one away at the San Zero is definitely a positive start going into home games.
1: Yeah. Okay, let's take a quick break and we'll come back with FYI, man. So, Ollie, I hear you've prepared me a special FYI, man—a Milan special. Yeah. So, let's go. Let's put the dramatic music here. You're going to name some clubs. Uh, I've got to guess who the player is who's played for all of them. Right. Might yeah. Milan special. Yeah, Milan special. So, it's got to be Milan and Newcastle, I assume. So, I should have I should have researched before. That shit like. Crikey.
2: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> go on. Obviously, Newcastle, Milan. Sheffield Wednesday. Crikey. And Philadelphia Union.
1: Oh, my
2: God. It's um, very niche, but I mean, there's not many who've played for Newcastle and Milan, I don't think, so... No, um... but, yeah, I know we normally... I'll tell
1: you, I, 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 straight away, I know who's played for for Milan and Newcastle is Onyebu... On, on N'Gucci Yewu. It's not him, is it? It is. <laughs> it gets in. It is. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah I, thought, yeah, I remember that because he was at Arsenal loan, wasn't he? And then he was rubbish, and then suddenly he was at AC Milan. He was good.
2: Yeah, he, um, he was an absolute unit, wasn't he? Like he was about six foot four, six foot five, but he was about that that much broad as well. He was absolutely huge, and and he um, was
1: American, so I thought Philadelphia Union maybe. That's... Yeah, do you
2: know what? I nearly didn't include the the Philadelphia bit, but mm. then I thought, well, maybe I need to give you a little hint in that direction. But yeah, didn't know he that... played for
1: Sheffield Wednesday though.
2: He did. Yeah, that was. He's, he's retired now. He's he's. Uh, He retired in 2017, he's now 41, and uh, yeah. In
1: fact, are there any other players who've played for Newcastle and AC Milan? There must be.
2: Oh, there's got to be. Not many,
1: though. Not many.
2: Did Giuseppe Rossi ever play for Milan? I don't think he did, but I'm just thinking. He
1: was at Villarreal, Man United, Newcastle.
2: I know he was at... Yeah, you're right there. I think it was was only sort of... um... Maybe Fiorentina in Italy you might have played for? I don't, yes, I think so. I like don't that think you ever played for Milan. But yeah, that's a good question, actually. I don't... Off the top of my head, I can't think of many. Um,
1: no, neither can I.
2: But yeah, vague. I thought we'd just do a little FYI, man, there. Because in the episode earlier in the week, we did we did sort of poll of the week and Twitter questions, but didn't actually do it.
1: Well, I, yeah, man, so. I probably answered a bit quickly. Sorry, everyone, if you were still thinking. Because I, I just... I said it thinking it's probably not the right answer, but it was. So there we go. What a surprise. Get in. <laughs> Thank you, Mindpolis. It just seemed to all connect there. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. We're going to be back tomorrow, hopefully. I've got flights back and all sorts because I'm currently in Crete uh, after I went to the game in Italy. I had still two more days off and Milan, it was raining for the next two days. So I got a cheap flight out to Crete and then I'm coming back tomorrow at some time. Don't know when, but if we can record, we will be Friday night. If not, it'll be Saturday morning or something. And we'll do a, a preview of the Sheffield United game on Sunday. Oh. Back to the Premier League, back to reality.
2: I've just thought, Ed, we've, we've just been racking our brains there about AC Milan and Newcastle players, and there was one who actually played. I mean, Sandro Tonali. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah, obviously, obviously.
2: There's a, there's a couple of others who've just came to mind as well, so I'm pretty sure Fabrizio Colaccini had a small spell at AC Milan. Might be wrong. I'm a massive Colaccini fan, and I'm sure he had a spell there. I feel like I need to Google it now.
1: It's all right. Let, let, let's just um, say you're correct. Is Davide there another Santon?
2: One? Did Santon ever play for AC Milan?
1: Oh, he played for Inter a lot, obviously. He came from Inter and went back to Inter. I'm not sure he did play for
2: AC. I, I've just Googled My it. And between between 1999 and 2004, Coluccini played once for AC Milan.
1: Wow. What well, did he do the rest of the time? I'm not <laughs> sure, actually, Good question. <laughs> one game in four years. What a deal. I wonder how much yeah. he was earning.
2: He was very um, young at the time, though, so we'll, we'll let him off. <laughs> yeah, true.
1: All right. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. If you like the show, subscribe, five-star, write a thing. Follow us on Twitter and your We'll be back tomorrow or Saturday with a Chef's Dieter preview. Say goodbye, Ollie.
2: Thanks for listening, everyone. See you later.